Welcome to the Steelers by the Lake Podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Cody on this fine Victory Monday. How are you doing today? Oh, James, it's Victory Monday. It seems that it's been wildly elusive for us so far this year. It's kind of upsetting. It's kind of sad. Um, but you know what? It's here. Uh, and you know what? We both... Oh, look at that. You drinking? You drinking? Is that your first uh, drink of the day? First bang energy drink of the day, yes. First bang. Is it your first bang of the year? No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> cheers, to, cheers to the New Year's. We, we did it. We kind of said Happy New Year last time, but we're saying cheers, cheers. now. Um, we are excited to talk about Steelers football. But James, how are you? How are you on this fine Victory Monday? Doing fantastic, man. It's, it's a nice way to start the year off. Went and got some... Uh, Picasso's sandwiches for lunch today. If you're from Erie, Pennsylvania, and you haven't been to Picasso's, you're missing out, man. These sandwiches are killer. If you're not from Erie, um, Pennsylvania, you're still missing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you are anywhere within like a two mile driving, road, totally do it. Um. Anyway, did you say two mile or two hour? Two hours, what I meant, but I totally said two miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you're two not hours. even. You're not even within two miles. I don't think. No, I, I think I am actually. It probably just takes a while because of all the roads. Anyways, because I walked to pick up my car the other day and it was 1.4 miles, and that's also in the mall, but it's not that much further. So I think oh, so it yeah, just right about two. it's probably right about two. Um, we are we're obviously going to talk about this Ravens game, this this division rival, the Ratbirds game. But before we have to get into some Steelers by the Lake news, um, specifically to start off with the December review and the last year year 2022 review uh so james do you want me to do just december and you can do 2022 as a whole sounds good to me okay so december we're gonna do top countries first uh top three downloaded countries we're gonna go over number one usa number two canada and number three australia so those were the top three countries very cool very interesting to see uh thank you united states thank you canada and thank you australia we appreciate it and then top four uh, secondly, top five states, but we're going to go over top four because there's a tie for fourth. Number one, Pennsylvania. No surprise there. Number two, Texas. Hello. Thank you. Uh, and number three, California. And then a tie for fifth or tie for fourth, I should say, Colorado and Maryland at number four. So uh, interesting. That's one of the first times we've seen Maryland on there, I think. I feel like Maryland is consistently in the top 10, but not necessarily in the top five. Yeah. So they're creeping uh, up. But Yeah. Yeah, definitely you're going to see here as we do the 22 year in review of the 2022 here uh, what I'm talking about on that. So first off, countries for last year, the whole year combined, all the down from all the places. Number one, United States of America. Uh, not much of a surprise there. Number two came in as Canada. Uh, pretty strong following, honestly, in Canada. Uh, really has grown for us this year, and we really, yeah. really appreciate that. Uh, the United Kingdom, those guys kind of come and go. Uh, they do. They <laughs> but, do. But, but when they're listening, there's some pretty heavy numbers from them. Uh, Spain in at number four, and then Mexico at number five. Uh, so those were our top countries last year. The top states uh, are actually a little bit different from what they were last month. Um, number one was Pennsylvania, no surprise. Number yep. two, Ohio, typically one of the highest downloading states for us as well. Number three was Kentucky over the entire year. Dang, we like to see which that. Is crazy. Like the first two years, we had like zero download 
Kentucky. Yeah. And then year three comes along and the number three state in the entire. And it's not like Benny Snell's heavily involved. It's not like Bud Dupree's on the team anymore. So we just got some listeners in Kentucky. Shout out to, listen, there's some, there's a new person in Kentucky who might be downloading. She'll be watching this probably after this, but we'll get to that later. Actually, we won't get, we won't get to that (laughs) later. I'm just sharing that. (laughs) Uh, So number four uh, in the States from last year combined was Maryland. Uh, So not only were they number four in December, they were number four in the entire year of 2022. Uh, And then number five, California, who has pretty much consistently been in the top five for us. Uh, on a regular basis california love <laughs> uh, anyways that's it man that's it so now we got some twitter news you want to shout somebody out real quick right yeah absolutely our friends over at tabletop sports uh they do a podcast some steeler fans some young men there uh also iowa hawkeye fans we got on the topic of cooper dijon i was watching the uh, uh bowl game yesterday and this kid is incredible man he's a corner for Iowa, who's six one two oh nine, faster than anything. He's the punt return man. He's the gunner, uh, and he has the school record for most pick sixes in a single season. He had five picks on the year. Dang. Uh, dude's pretty incredible and well put together. He looks like a safety slash linebacker hybrid, but he's faster in snot and he's an outside corner. Uh, so true sophomore. He won't be eligible in this year's draft class, but it's going to be real fun to watch him next year. Uh, and then see where he ends up in the 2024 draft class. Because I got a feeling it's going to be the first round. Uh, But yeah, shout out to Tabletop Sports, hooking us up on some inside information on Cooper DeJean and Jack Campbell, the middle linebacker there that will be draft eligible this year. Uh, And uh, they always do uh, give us a lot of support on Twitter and definitely appreciate it, guys. Yeah. And then we also... Uh, first one in a while, got a new five-star review. Again, this is something James hypes about all the time. I hype too, but James just gets giddy about it. Um, five-star <laughs> reviews on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews, honestly, anywhere we appreciate. Uh, but Apple Podcasts is one of the big ones. And we got a new five-star review uh, from Sammy. Let me pull this up again. Sammy XO43. Uh, Sammy, we appreciate the, the five-star review. Says, amazing podcast. Cody is definitely a funny character. Heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. Uh, Sammy is a good friend of mine that I met uh, <laughs> in this new, uh, this new TikTok thing that I'm doing. I'm trying to grow my, my stuff off away from the Steelers by the Lake podcast. Also trying to grow Steelers by the Lake podcast as well. We do get our TikTok up and running again. Looking to hopefully post some content there soon. Um, but again, Sammy is one of those people that I met on this sweetheart amazing girl funny she's unfortunately a pats fan so we're hoping your team loses next week uh so we can get into the to the playoffs but again thank you for the five-star review again you guys if you give these five-star reviews um especially on apple podcast but honestly anywhere if you write a review somewhere and we see it or you send it to us we will happily happily share it on the podcast and talk about you a little bit give you a shout out um with that being said it's time to talk about the game well news leading up to the game and then the game itself yeah, some news previous to the game. So uh, it was kind of odd. It seemed as though everybody got a clean health other than Trey Norwood. And the Steelers decided to elevate defensive lineman Rennell Wren from the practice squad uh, for the game versus the Ravens. Rennell Wren's been on the practice squad almost the entire season. Big boy. He's like 6'5", 315, something like that. So yep. Uh, the kind of guy that you would think maybe you might use if you're having a difficulty with uh, stopping the run. 
Uh, but Pittsburgh went like exclusively super heavy in the game. Crazy to see. Uh, cool to see the coaches adapt like they did. Uh, but the inactives going into the game, Mason Rudolph, Trey Norwood with that hamstring, Malik Reed, uh, which was just kind of a sign of what they were planning on doing defensively in the game. Yep. Kendrick Green, uh, Tay Crowder, who's that new middle linebacker that we picked up, and then uh, Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle uh, that's been on the roster for only a couple of weeks now as well. Uh, let's get into this game, Cody, man. All, all kinds of crazy going on in it. Yeah, so the first quarter um, was two drives, not even two complete drives. It was crazy to watch that happen. (laughs) I was very impressed with how Pittsburgh came out and moved the ball offensively. Uh, We saw many good plays on the first drive, many. uh, We saw a couple third-down conversions, just great awareness, pocket awareness, pocket presence by Kenny Pickett. Uh, The receivers were playing well on the first drive. The running game was solid. A lot of things were moving in the right direction on that first drive. 17 plays. Started at the 25 because it was a touchback, 78 yards. Unfortunately, just la- just under eight minutes, couldn't get in the end zone. Um, and, I, and I mentioned this to James in a message, private message, right off the bat. I said, that's it feels like a wasted drive. I realize we got three points. I realize in games with Baltimore especially, they, they almost always seem to have a three-point differential. Uh, and this, again, was one of them as Pittsburgh won 16-13. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, but... You hate seeing us get in these games where we know that three points matters. Go get seven. Go freaking yeah. get seven. Oh, yeah, it's frustrating. That was one of the things we talked about uh, earlier in the week, the need for Pittsburgh to, to put some touchdowns on the board early uh, to put themselves in a position where they could make the Ravens one-dimensional. Uh, and they didn't. Unfortunately, they did not finish that first drive. Uh, and I really felt like everything clicked pretty well until that last pass to George Pickens was, yep. I would say the placement of the ball could have been a little bit better from Kenny Pickett, a little bit further outside than George would have been able to, to kind of wall the man off when he went up for the jump ball. Yeah. It also, in a position. it also didn't help the false start on Pat Fryermuth in the, no. the first, first and goal, I believe it was. So that, that it backed was, us up yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt because then they spent the next two plays just trying to get back to where they were before and and were only able to take one shot at the end zone on the drive. And you really hope to, to take a couple shots at the end zone. So um, unfortunate way to start it. But uh, it was at least it was nice to see them run the ball so successfully so early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a theme throughout the day. The running game was the best it's been all season long, in my opinion. Oh, uh, by very far. Very successful. These guys both ran their butts off. They ran as hard as they could. Uh, even Derek Watt got involved in it again with a successful conversion. Uh, this time he didn't get hit in the backfield, <clears throat> so he went ahead and, <laughs> and did his thing. Yep. Uh, but just a, a very, very awesome. I feel like, honestly, we should talk about the running backs before we talk about Kenny Pickett in this game because it was such yeah. a good performance from both of them. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Najee Harris, 22 carries, 111 yards, broke that 100-yard mark, was fantastic, averaging five yards a carry. Jalen Warren on 12 <laughs> carries for 76 yards, 6.3. Um, one of his carries, again, we're going to bounce around a little bit this game, uh, as I think we're just going to talk about things that matter and things that happen. Gunnar Olszewski making blocks out here like a tight end <laughs> um the the one end around play or the one it was a sweet play to Jalen Warren holy cow man uh Gunnar Olszewski made a block and I watched the replay and I I didn't see a number I just saw like an angle 
And I texted James. I was like, who the heck was that tight end that made that block? He's like, that was Gunnar Olszewski. And I was like, no freaking <laughs> way. Uh, took, out two, took out two guys on the block. It was fantastic. Um, but love to see that explosiveness, especially coming from an undrafted guy. Um, and knowing that Najee had been frustrated his entire career so far with Pittsburgh, not going to lie. And understandably so, as he's a phenomenal running back and just hasn't had places to run the ball, getting someone in here like Jalen Warren that can take some of the load off Najee and make sure Najee's 100% on every play that he gets to go is fantastic. Uh, so again, and then you had Gunnar Olszewski with the one run for six yards. Derek Watt, the one run for seven. Kenny Pickett had just a few QB sneaks. Uh, we'll talk about the one real quick because I honestly think the best tackle in the game came from Najee Harris on a QB sneak, and he just tackled <laughs> Kenny Pickett across the line. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, what a play by Najee. You know, it's the new trend now with, with quarterback <clears throat> sneaks, tight ends lining up in behind them or wide receivers. Yep. Uh, but Najee saw what was happening. He saw Kenny was getting stuffed, and he grabbed him and kind of – shuffled them off to the left a little bit and drove them right through the pile and made sure they got the first down. And, and you know what, that's, it's incredible that, that Najee was just willing them to victory and success, not single-handedly, but you could see how strong his will was, how strong his desire was to be the man and be the most physical player on the field that game. And he was, uh, when that game was over, I don't think you could possibly say anyone was more physical that day than he was. Uh, but Jalen Warren put in a real nice performance himself, <laughs> just constantly breaking tackles and getting extra yards. He just runs so physical behind his pads. Uh, and like you said, that jet sweep that went to him, I feel like it was a little bit of a variation of what we saw uh, the previous week with Connor Hayward. Yep. Uh, they had Jalen Warren lined up as a slot receiver, and then they hit him on the jet sweep, and they just didn't see it coming. Uh, so incredible performance by the running backs, especially to maintain such a high average yard per carry uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, and both of them very effective receiving the ball as well, especially Najee getting the game winning touchdown catch at the end, you know? Yep. Uh, so just tremendous all around weapons. Uh, and it's so nice that we finally hit on an undrafted guy like they did with Jalen Warren. Yeah. But just this rookie class and the class previous to it, are so impactful in this team dominant. right now. They're dominant. That's why, to me, when people are like, oh, the Steelers suck right now, Steelers fans saying this, when they're so down on how the Steelers are right now, I'm like, you are looking at this so wrong. In two the years, most- in two years, we're yes. going to be top the AFC North again. Uh, and that's with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the things mm-hmm. that, that the Bengals are doing. That's with Deshaun Watson being on the Cleveland Browns and having a full season. Yeah. That's with that's if Lamar Jackson stays as a Baltimore Raven and J.K. Dobbins and all this stuff. Like Pittsburgh is becoming the the big daddy back in the AFC North again, and it's just taking yeah. a little bit longer than people would like, and that's fine. That happens. We were it spoiled. took a half a season. We were well. We were. <laughs> it took a little bit more than that because last year was horrible. Uh, yeah. And people, I think the last time people were excited about Pittsburgh making the playoffs and this and that. We watched us go down 28 nothing to the Cleveland Browns in the wild card game. So I don't blame people yeah. for feeling like it's been a rough couple years. But at the same mm-hmm. time, we're only a year or two out from being contenders for this AFC North title again. Uh, so I'm super excited for it, especially TJ Watt on a long-term deal, Minka Fitzpatrick on a long-term deal. The defense coming Cam's together. Cam's got plenty of years left. Cam's got some spunk in him. We, we saw the little... 
mishap between him and Minka on the sideline in this game. We'll get to that later. Um, Man, I know exactly what it was. And I thought he did something wrong and he and, didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, I, honestly, I like it because I like that Minka is willing to call Cam out if he thinks that Cam did something If he thinks wrong. something, yep, 100%. Yeah, and, and he thought that, that Cam had done something wrong. Uh, and, you know, obviously, if you watch the play, then you see that Cam was pulled onto the pile by one offensive line, tried to get off of it. Another one pulled him back down onto the pile. The refs thought that he was being some kind of a-hole, and they called him for a uh, an unnecessary roughness penalty when he's literally getting pulled down while his arms are out at the side, like he's doing a swan dive. Yep. Like it, it couldn't have been a worse penalty. Um, that was probably the worst one of the game. Uh, but I, I love it. I love that Minka was, you know, regardless of they've already squashed it. They squashed it by halftime. Yeah. There's no beef to be had there. Minka's going to see the film and he's going to say, oh, dang, man, like Cam's right. He didn't do anything wrong. And they'll have a conversation about it and it will be even more squashed than it already is. But yeah. I love that somebody is willing to step up to that all pro defensive lineman, the biggest, baddest, strongest man on the team and say, hey, man, I need better out of you. Yep. <laughs> that's cool, man. <laughs> we like that. We like that energy. That's that's yeah. the entire energy of the 70s. I mean, that's what it is. So we love that. Um, let's not get too off topic here. Let's go Kenny Pickett, 15 to 27 on the game. Not great passing stat-wise, 168 yards only uh, and one touchdown. But in a game like this where you had two drives, let me well, let me look at it this way. You had three drives last over six minutes. You had another four last over five. Um, three or four last over five. This was a a very limited game as far as offensive drive, so you're not going to see massive yardage out of this game. It's just not you can't you can't spend eight minutes and go more than a hundred yards or ninety nine yards, whatever it is. Like it does, the, it's the distance on the field, you can't fix that. Um, yeah. But with that being said, it, Kenny Pickett, I felt like had one of his most mature games. Yeah. Min- minus the one play where he took he fell and didn't get up and throw the ball away or whatever and just kind of laid there and gave up. That was the only miscue, in my opinion, on his game. And to me, that one was almost a a good sign of maturity. A lot of players would be in such a huge hurry to get up and try to get rid of the ball that they might make a really big mistake and turn the ball over in that situation. Uh, And Kenny just sitting there and saying, you know what? This seven-yard loss is not as bad as me getting up and – and possibly fumbling the ball or trying to throw it away, but not throwing it far enough. Like when he, he threw that one interception versus the jets to Pat Firemuth. And he said he was trying to throw it out of bounds, but he didn't get it far enough and it didn't get over Pat's head. So it got picked off. Like he's learning from his mistakes previous in the year and not repeating them. And I really absolutely love it. (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't even look at it that way. And I I agree that that may have been what he thought. Part of me is still like, Oh, he's like, Oh, I fell. This sucks. Whatever. Let's take the loss, whatever. Sure, he could have got up. Sure, he could have thrown the ball away. But I will give you the fact that he didn't get up and make a mental error and throw the pick or fumble it or this or that, whatever. It was a miscue that happened. Him and Najee bumped feet. He fell down. They got up. He went to the next play and moved on. So I'll take that. Um, yeah. Kenny Pickett, obviously, the last like- drive with that, that mm-hmm. pass. to He almost orchestrated that pass. It was very Ben Roethlisberger-esque, in my opinion of scrambling away, getting away, getting away from an arm tackle on a defensive uh, lineman coming at him and then throwing Mm -hmm. a ball in only a spot that Najee could catch it. Only a spot Najee could get it. So that was fantastic on his play. 
Uh, second game-winning drive. Times in that drive, too. Yeah, second game-winning drive in a row. Two weeks in a row now, game-winning drive, Kenny Pickett. So. A lot of that drive, too, was the play didn't work. I'm going to scramble. Somebody get open, and somebody would, and he would hit him. Yep. And that drive was Just, both Jalen Warren and he had one to Deontay, I think, on that one, one to Jalen Warren, and then the one to Pat Frymuth, where Frymuth had to, like, fall down and catch it. Yep. It was a great drive. Yeah. Even Steven Sims got involved. Oh, in yeah, he did. That was a nice one, one. over in the middle. You know, nice. just a very, very well-rounded game. And I feel like if we're looking at Kenny's numbers on this one, uh, then it kind of comes back on Deontay a little bit for not getting his feet inbounds um, twice in this game. Yep. Uh, where Kenny threw absolute dimes to him. Uh, the one on that last drive was about 40 yards down the field, perfect throw. Uh, and he just doesn't get his second foot in bounds. If you take um, back earlier in the game too, he had one where he bobbled it, didn't control it before he went out of bounds. Uh, and it would have easily been another 10 or 15 yards on top of the total. And then you're looking at the completion percentage being higher too. Oh, if, if you take all, if you take all the targets away from Deontay Johnson, the, it is 13, <laughs> oh, no. 13 of 20, which is a much better stat line than 15 of 27. Ooh. Seven targets to Deontay, two catches. There's, yeah, there's Deontay. He's back. Uh huh. <laughs> He's back. We and had we had some kind of out of body experience for a couple of games there. Some somebody else playing, but Deontay's back. It's frustrating because you watch him make that incredible catch on the sideline. Unfortunately, didn't get his feet in bounds, and he gets all up like I'm the man. Like I'm finally freaking doing yeah. this. And we're yeah, like, no, nope, no, nope, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Good try. You know what? What's funny is that that play happened and. My initial instinct was I thought it was George Pickens because it was a sideline catch and it was rolled to catch. Yep. And then as soon as I saw that it was Deontay, I was like, oh, no. Same. Might not have Literally been same. <laughs> Literally and then same. it got ruled out, and I was like, oh, I'm not surprised. I said, like, yeah, he was definitely out. Yep. <laughs> what are you going to do? If it's George, I don't even think twice about it. No. How about, speaking of George, how about that catch over the middle? On third and fourteen. Oh yeah, the the extension one. Cross body and oh my god, man! And and, and it just so happened. It's the first. And it just so happened that with that extension was the first down. When he brought it back into his yeah. body, he was not past yep. the first down mark. Yep. So that that extension was fantastic. The pass was fantastic. Um, the catch was better. I can't lie. George Pickens two catches for twenty nine yards. Nothing crazy. Uh, Steven Sims, three for 34. That one catch down the middle of the field was just fantastic. And, and, a, sure and a beautiful throw in between triple coverage, basically, at that point. You had the safety over top, uh, the corner under underneath behind him. And then I think you also had a middle linebacker um, or maybe the other safety. I don't remember exactly who was there uh, playing the middle ground. Fantastic play. By far the best play Steven Sims has made all year. And he's had a couple big opportunities and watched and dropped them, unfortunately. But that was great play for Steven Sims. Yeah, big moment for him, big game for him. Uh, again, the number's not gaudy, uh, but this is a real opportunity. Pittsburgh has a glaring hole in that number three wide receiver position. We've been talking about this ever since the Chase Claypool trade. We're very happy to have such a high pick uh, at our disposal. Uh, looks like it's going to be the number two overall pick in the second round, which is absolutely tremendous. There's still hope for it to be the number one pick in the second there round. There is. Have I, I talked to you about this, Cody, on how how huge that'll be if that becomes the number one pick in the second yes, round? Yes, because it's a big trade. It's a big trade opportunity. People like to yes. trade up for that. People like to. Yes. If, if a guy that they were looking at in the first round fell down, they say, "Hey, let's let's trade up. Let's give up two picks or 
a pick this year and pick next year, whatever, whatever they're due. Often you'll get three picks out of that. Um, you'll get sometimes you get a future first for that second. Yeah. It's, it's, if the guy falls like, like that, a couple seconds and a third, and like people give up a boatload to get that first pick in the second round. Yeah. If you're uh, not so, getting a, if you're not getting a future first round pick, you're getting three picks normally for that spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most likely. Yeah. So you'll, you'll get that round for that team. You'll get a later round, probably the same year for that team. And then a later round in another year. That's typically how that trade works. Um, mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, whatever it is. But again, you talk, you said that the numbers weren't gaudy for Steven Sims. Again, we talked about that already. You, you weren't going to get gaudy numbers from anybody in this game because of how limited the <laughs> drives were. Yeah, I mean, that's, true. you look at the yardage, that's what a fifth or a sixth of the total yards passing. I'll take that out of yeah. the, the third string wide receiver. So with, I yeah, mean, and again, first down with every catch basically on the average, exactly. you know, but uh, obviously most of it was on the 28 yard catch, but yeah, uh, still like the kid did his job and he's really stepping up to the plate and, and very big opportunity for him, regardless of how things work out uh, for Pittsburgh next week with uh, the game versus the Browns and yep. do the Dolphins lose and do the Patriots lose and, and all the scenarios that we need. Steven Sims is showing his value and why he should be on the team next year. Yep. Uh, so he's doing very that al- important. He's doing that alone in the kick return game. Let's be real. Um, yeah, he's, he's doing a nice job. He's the him. best kick returner we've had since Antonio Brown. Easily. Yeah, probably. So, um, and then also you talk about that draft pick. There's already been, what? Who are you going to bring up? Juju. He had a touchdown. That's fair. He and did. he wasn't his full-time gig either. No. Okay. You know other I than the one touchdown, for uh, I know Come you do. Um, <laughs> other, and I heard somebody say he would be the perfect third wide receiver for Pittsburgh next year, and I was like, "Oh my god, he would be! Bring him back and put him in the slot. Let's go." He he would come back. I think he would come back. Yeah, I don't know. I think he would. Anyways, um, we talked about that draft pick too. There's already been conversations and rumors that Pittsburgh's going to reunite Kenny Pickett with his college teammate. Uh, I don't remember the name of yeah. the of the wide receiver, but there's already been talks about that. There's been talks about Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback out of he's he's Penn State, right? No, correct. He is Penn State. Joey okay. Porter Jr. is Penn State. Yes. Um, which, speaking of, you have a bowl game to watch here in a little bit, so we're gonna get get through that at, at some point. <laughs> a little um, over an hour is kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, so to go through these wide receivers, we talked about Deontay, two catches, thirty-five yards. Pat Frymey, three catches, 36 yards. Jalen Warren, three for 22. And then Najee Harris, two for 12. And obviously that one game-winning touchdown. Uh, Just a phenomenal play. And I'll tell you what, Chris Collinsworth impressed me this game because he actually talked smart and he actually talked good things about Pittsburgh. Normally, neither of those two things happen. Um, But he talked about how he felt like this was the best offensive game he's seen out of our offensive line. And I was like, he is correct. It was by far the best Mm -hmm. game I've seen out of our offensive line. And I think we're finally seeing what we wanted to be seeing after the bye week. We're finally seeing the gelling. We're finally seeing the chemistry. We're seeing even I'm even seeing it out of Jalen Warren when he's when he's in pass protect, when he comes in the backfield and he goes up to the offensive line when they're audible and he's like, all right, all right, I'm here. I'm here. Whatever. Points to somebody, whatever. They're understanding. Mm -hmm. They're getting it. The play calling is getting better. Unfortunately, Matt Canada is probably still out of here. Um, But the offense of line is actually doing good. And I love it. I know you have more yeah, to say about the offensive line. It speaks volumes too uh, about a Chris Collinsworth never has a good thing to say about Pittsburgh, and he had a lot of good things to say about Pittsburgh in this yep. game. I noticed it as well. Uh, I thought that it was the most fair he's ever called the Steelers game by far. Uh, so hats off to him. 
but also you see how they do at the introductions, the pro football focus rankings of all the individual players. I couldn't help but notice uh, that three or four of our offensive linemen were ranked in like the top 15, top 16 at their position. Yep. These guys are having a much better season than the narrative is. And a lot of it is because of this second half, which is all coaching adjustments. There were two and six in the first eight games. The bye week happens. They're six and two since. It's the same players. <laughs> it's not like they brought in some all-stars and at the, the break, you know, it's the same guys. They're getting they're gelling together. The coaching is sticking. Uh, you're seeing differences as far as game plan. We're gonna talk about what the defense did in this game. Uh, never have you seen Pittsburgh go so heavy on defensive linemen. If anything, we're yelling at them because they don't have enough defensive linemen on the field. This game, they just committed to it. They said, you're not going to run on us. We're going to put our best run-stopping middle linebacker out there, even though he's a rookie seventh-round pick who only played middle linebacker for one year in college put them out there a bunch against you we're going to put all kinds of defensive linemen out there rookies everybody's going to be out there and you know who's not going out there is any outside linebacker who's not against the good against the run yep in fact he's not even dressing (laughs) it's not even a scenario if the other guys get hurt we'll play somebody else he's not going on the field yeah so they they played phenomenal the defense played phenomenal i want to go back to offense just for a hot second because it, man. because I want to I want to finish Kenny Pickett off real quick with the stat line. Stop it! Shut did. the heck up. Um, Kenny Pickett's the first NFL quarterback in history to have a ga- rookie quarterback in history to have a game winning touchdown pass in the final minute of the fourth quarter in back to back games. First ever. That's my quarterback, Kenny Pickett. In the last two games before the game winning drive, twenty nine of fifty one for five point three yards per attempt with zero touchdowns. On the game-winning drives in the last two games, 12 of 15 for 9.2 yards in attempt and two touchdowns. And wasn't it like 144 quarterback rating or something? It's so, like it was something high stupid. Yeah. Um, really, really high numbers. And I say that to the not only... Clutch. I, the kid is very clutch. I say that not only... And I was going to say that. I would say that not to only show off his clutchness, his ability to be a playmaker when it matters, but... This shows that our offense should be doing this more often, Matt Canada. Get on the ball. Start calling these. Like, I realize Pittsburgh and I realize Mike Tomlin and the whole scheme, you know, we're a hard-nosed, blue-collar football team from the city of Pittsburgh, the Steelers, the Steel Mills, this and that. It's just how we are. We're built to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. If you have the ability to pass the ball to some of these crazy people we have on here, Pat Fryermuth is a freak athlete, and people just don't realize it because he doesn't look it. George Pickens has showed he's a freak athlete. He's a freak person, everything from his draft highlight picture to freaking everything. The man's an animal. Deontay Johnson has a little bit of dog in him, but you got to get it out somehow. And then you got guys like Jalen Warren and Najee Harris out the backfield that are freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. There's no reason Kenny Pickett shouldn't have these last two games or excuse me, this last game, I should say. Kenny Pickett should throw for 300 yards against Cleveland. Easy easy but we won't do it because we like to run the ball <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say they're trying not to put too much pressure on them uh did you see <laughs> that Pat Fry- don't get no pressure? <laughs> <laughs> i mean when all the pressure's on them- you're cutting out a little bit you're cutting out a little bit say that again <laughs> i said when all the pressure is on at the end of the game it's not like 
the pull them and put Mitch out there because they're scared of him being in the situation. They're just trying to be smart uh, about leaning on the run game and just asking him to do things in certain situations. Uh, so I get it. Did you see during the game that Pat Fryermuth is the second tight end in NFL history to have 60 plus receptions in his first two seasons? Love it. Yeah. Love it. And the other guy was for Philly? Philly, yeah. 80, 88, yeah, 89? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was a stud when I, He was like the Randall Cunningham tight end, man. That's who Randall used to throw the ball to. Mm. I remember that growing up. That was... That was a fun team back then. They had Reggie White too. Reggie was incredible. <laughs> Just used to throw men with one arm. It was yeah. absolutely incredible what he did to offensive linemen. All right. We well, can... Let's talk about what our defensive let's line go back. Let's did go back. Their <laughs> offensive linemen, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, without saying it, our offensive line had one of their best games of the year. Yeah. Tremendous job blocking. I see Kevin Dodson chasing linebackers 10 yards down the field. Just excellent effort. The only play I saw out of any of them, a one play, Mason Cole got driven back really badly by Justin Matabuik. And then I think a couple times the core four struggled with pressure off the edge. Otherwise, offensive line was tremendous in this game. Defensive line, they won the day. Cam Hayward dominated at the line of scrimmage. He didn't let anybody push him back all game long. Uh, I was very, very impressed, and I'm going to go hair out uh, with Mark Robinson. stunned that they gave him the start at the beginning of the game, but there was a very clear strategy involved here. Uh, very clear strategy. Mm-hmm. And it was on downs where the Ravens have extra tight ends or extra offensive linemen, or they're in a heavy formation. We brought in Mark Robinson as one of the middle linebackers, him and Spillane typically were the two uh, in those situations on passing downs. Then Devin Bush or miles Jack would come in and oftentimes with Spillane as the opposite uh, middle linebacker but my goodness this kid was just in on everything in fact you had three fingers up i think you're saying the first the first three, three, plays, the first three plays yeah he was in, he on, was the in on the tackle incredible and the one Long he was the ball. only guy that blew him up i mean it was oh. yeah, yeah. It is so many times in this game i saw him identify where his responsibility was and not just kind of sit there and wait and wait and see what happens He'd say, this blocker is my responsibility. This gap is my responsibility. And he'd go blow that offensive lineman up, drive him backwards, and force the ball wide. And, and you, by forcing it wide, everybody else could get there and stop it and make sure they only got a yard or two on the play. And do you want to know what I saw this week that I didn't see the first time he played them? Um, anytime, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just didn't notice it the first game, but I, I definitely noticed it this time. Anytime a tight end went in motion, one of the middle linebackers would shadow. Not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. I don't think there was any necessarily man-to-man coverage going on because if there was, typically when a man moves, the middle linebackers just switch whoever they're on. Whatever. If there's a like, if there's a tight end on the left and a running back, if the tight end moves to the right, the right middle linebacker goes from having the running back to the tight end. That's how it normally works. But this time they would move with them. I think they were just trying to get ahead of the motion that Baltimore often does. That gets their their guy whoever's running the ball whether it's the quarterback or the running back so far out ahead of everybody by doing that you counter that a little bit and force it back inside to where we have cam hayward and those guys to clean it up or you're either getting there before they like at the line of scrimmage you're meeting them wherever they'd normally get to the outside i was i was really impressed with that again i don't know if i saw it last game maybe i just wasn't paying attention but i saw it almost every time this game Mm -hmm. and it was fantastic 
And a lot of usage of the Marvin Leal, mm-hmm. this rookie class looking so good, having so much of an impact for Pittsburgh. DeMarvin Leal shadowed those tight ends a lot too. If they shifted the power side from one side of the line to the other, DeMarvin would go with it. Yep. And now instead of having an outside linebacker that's you know, 255, 260 pounds, you got 275, 280 pounds DeMarvin Leal lined up against these tight ends, and they're not pushing them off the ball. And just... It's like going back to like power football from high school in small school college. Yep. And they just use that strategy because that's what the Ravens offense is. They're just running the option offense. It's basically what you run when you don't have a passing game in high school. It's or what we college. ran my entire high it's school career. Do. Yeah. It's what you run when you can't throw the ball. It's never meant to be a professional offense. And you can tell because the Ravens don't score points yep <laughs> not to mention they don't win a lot of games uh but like that's why it's not so proficient in professional sports because if you just commit with your bigger individuals you can shut it down uh now obviously the drawback to that is being able to to man up with the tight ends and and uh, mark andrews had a big game uh he's difficult to match up with no matter who you are whether you're a tight end whether you're a linebacker uh, corners, it's not going to happen. We don't have anybody that big at corner. No. Uh, but maybe maybe Cooper DeJean in a couple of years. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, these even Minka had a tough time covering them. Terrell Edmonds had a tough time covering yeah, them. Yeah, Minka got hurt uh, on a play where he was trying to tackle him. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the linebackers definitely had a difficult time with him. But he never got really open and really got away. He'd always tackled pretty quickly after making his catch a lot of times making the first down in the process yep. uh, but they didn't let him break away he had three plays. first downs on their first freaking drive yeah it's ridiculous and that's what we said right you had to stop the run and be hyper focused on the tight ends yep. uh and i think the focus on the tight ends wasn't quite heavy enough uh, but at the same point in time i don't want him to double team a tight end and then let up a so yeah uh, <laughs> it's a fine balance to try to to walk in and i think some of that is just going to be a personnel thing yep uh, and i'm excited for the future of what we can see with mark robinson with him getting this action i don't think you can justify not playing him as much well you i feel you, like you can't justify not playing him you also can't put him back you i mean he can't go back to the to the practice squad now he won't make no, it there no 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 he's been on the active Okay. They just haven't dressed him on Sundays. He's been always the inactives. Okay, good. Yes, he's been active, but on the 53. Uh, but but I understand your concern there. He's definitely not somebody that survive a, a cut and an attempt to move down to the practice squad. Not That's a chance. Sure. Not after, not yeah. maybe after this, before this week, but not now. No shot. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it kind of just made Marcus Allen expendable, and it might have just made Devin Bush completely expendable as well. I think they'll probably keep Robert Spillane around because they love how hard-nosed hard he is. He had a heck of a game, man. The guy had nine tackles. He was diagnosing screen plays and tackling people behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he was really stout against the run as well. Uh, in, in the AFC North where everyone runs the ball well, you need middle linebackers that can stop the run. Uh, and right now, Miles Jack is just playing injured, so it's tough to say whether or not that's something that he can do really successfully in the AFC North, but I think they'll give him a chance to do so again next year. But Devin Bush is just not his strong suit. It was no. supposed to be his strong suit, and it isn't. Yeah, and that's unfortunate for him. Uh, but with that being said, you, 
I don't think it necessarily makes Devin Bush expendable because of it's not because Devin Bush is bad. It's because Devin Bush is a weaker link, and I think that you're already seeing Mark Robinson come in and be able to play better than he is. And it makes the price tag of Devin Bush expendable. If Devin Bush wouldn't have had as good as a career as he did early on, he probably wouldn't come with as much of a price tag as I'm sure he probably would request moving forward. Um, but Devin, Devin Bush, again, has had an off year. He's had an off season. He's had an off career since his knee injury. And hasn't got quite back from that. I'd love to see if, what he could do if he fully recovers from that because maybe there's something still there. I don't know. Um, but again, th- the benefit here is the addition of Mark Robinson and having Robert Spillane and obviously Miles Jack now. They kind of, I feel like those three, even though you only have two starters at a time, those three complete that linebacker core. I feel like every time you've seen Pittsburgh with a good Super Bowl run, they've had that four or five guys at linebackers. They've had the Lamar Woodley, yeah. James Ferrier, Larry Foote, you know, Lawrence Timmons, all these guys, James Harrison, James yeah. Harrison Joe, uh, Joey Porter. Like yeah. you think back to those guys and, and Pittsburgh had, has had a dominant, typically a dominant linebacker core, a couple good guys up front. You think Brett Kiesel, Casey Hampton, we got Cam Hayward, obviously. Um, and you had the safety. We had, we had Troy Polamalu back then. And now we have Minka Fitzpatrick. We're missing the big hitter. We're missing our Chuck Clark, or we're missing our Ryan Clark. Um, we're missing our Chris Hope. We're, we're missing those kinds of guys. Uh, Terrell Edmonds just isn't that right now. But again, Pittsburgh is starting to develop. And this is why I'm saying, again, in, in two year and a half, two years, you fix a couple of these things, Pittsburgh's going to be on top of the North and doing it aggressively again. They've got cap space and high draft capital. Uh, all they have to do is hit on a couple of guys and right back to being dominant in the AFC North. They're competitive in the AFC North again. Yep. yep. You know, we didn't expect – I didn't expect them to beat the Bengals this season, and they did at the beginning of the year. Yep. Now, you know, the Bengals have gone on a run since. Yeah. But we're competitive. But it, it, and here we are. We're about to play the the Browns, and if we beat the Browns and a couple things go go right otherwise, we're in the playoffs. So this is a competitive team and an extremely young team. There's hardly anybody on this team that you look at and you say, well, in two years, I don't know if they're going to be any good. As far as like key players, to me, there's only one, and it's Cam Hayward. Correct. Uh, That's the only one I can think everyone of. Everyone else. Everyone else is in their early 20s to mid-20s, and there is some star power in this team right now too, man. Uh, it is really grooming into to something that we should be excited about. Uh, and happy for I mean TJ gets himself another sack in the game and yep. and has a real nice performance I thought uh, Alex Highsmith a little bit quiet in the game and the, the defensive line in general really just did their job they didn't let people dominate them they held their ground all day long then Cam who I felt was once again very dominant in the game yeah uh, but yeah and then the secondary what what can we say about Minka, man? Sealing the game again? Yep. Almost getting Another knocked out. Winning. Almost getting KO'd trying to do it. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost. Uh, and this is playing on one ankle at that point, too, because he came out at one point because he rolled his ankle, like you said, in a tackle on Mark Andrews. Yep. Got, got taped up, came right back in because he's tough like that and gets his sixth interception on the season, showing why he's a pro bowler, showing why he probably will end up being a first-team all-pro as well. Yep. Yeah, he definitely should. 
Um, I don't have anything else to say about the defense. I feel like we covered everybody that we needed to. No, we're good there, yeah. Um, Chris Boswell, again, a rough day. And I say rough only because he had one miss. He missed and one. it's only rough yeah. because it's in, in a game like this where those three points matter so much. Um, yeah. If this is against any other team, I probably any non-divisional team, I'd argue, I probably wouldn't make a, as big of a deal about it. But three or four out of field goals, so he made three, missed the one. 51 was as long and one for one on extra points. Um, Boswell, clean up that stupid doink miss, and then we're good. Um, Presley, Presley Harvin, two punts, 48.5 average. One inside the 21 was phenomenal. Uh, you, you couldn't ask fantastic for a better punt. Day. So yeah. we'll, we'll take that. I thought he had a great day. I thought he was fantastic in this game. In a game where field position is so extremely important, yep. uh, Presley Harvin did a very nice job in this game. And it, 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 I feel like he's getting more consistent as the season's going on. He was extremely inconsistent early in the year. Uh, and then you worry about, you know, the weather's getting bad. Is he going to get even consistent? Is he going to shank more of them? And I feel like he's playing better now that the weather's crappier. Yep. And I think and I'm, I'm and, very hopeful for next season with that. I'm honestly hoping that he took this last off season to really process the stuff, like the losses that he had in his life and spend some time with family and that you can, yeah. you can chalk it up to, to being a little out of shape or a little uh, unpracticed or whatever. And that next year he comes in and is doing this all year. Um, so I'm really hopeful for that. And then Steven Sims, the one kick return for 29 yards. We'll take that. Uh, yeah, so that, that about sums it up. Injuries on the game. We talked about Minka having the ankle injury. I uh, did come back in and stayed back in. Deontay Johnson with a shin injury. He also came back in, played, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those, those were it. <laughs> yeah, so nothing serious. The only thing I would worry about is sometimes you can play through them when they happen and then tighten up on your bat afterwards. Yeah, the ankle. Uh, so we're going to be keeping a real close eye on that Minka Fitzpatrick ankle. I think Deontay will be just fine because it seemed like he just got caught some uh, some cleats to the shin, which just hurts like hell and probably bruises real ugly. Uh, but Minka, I wouldn't be surprised if he's limited early in uh, trying to give that ankle some rest to be healthy versus the Browns. Uh, playoff chances for the Steelers. We're going to talk about that before we wrap this show up. Yep. Uh, it was 2.5% previous to the game it was 2.2 technically but they rounded it up <laughs> okay fair enough, fair enough. Uh, dolphins did us a failure favor went ahead and lost. um teddy bridgewater by the way their backup quarterback uh hurt a finger on his throwing arm in the game i was watching the game he went down so they were down to their rookie seventh round pick skylar thompson at quarterback who might end up starting next week so that bodes well for pittsburgh uh, and then I think all we have left is we need the Patriots to lose as well. We need the Patriots to lose to the Jets, games, right? We need the Patriots, the Patriots to lose to the Jets and the Dolphins to lose to the Bills. And then we need to take care of business against Cleveland. Yeah. That's yeah, it. just those three. All the other scenarios are gone. now. Uh, so it went from 2.2% to 6% before the game to 15% now. Uh, so I'm not saying I like those chances. I'm just saying we got a fighter's chance now. Uh, and Pittsburgh controls things pretty well. Take I'm not care of your even, own business. Yeah, I'm not even worried about the playoffs right now. I want to see Pittsburgh come out and end this. I would love to see a dominant game. I honestly don't care if it's a fourth quarter comeback again. That'd be pretty cool. I don't want to see yeah. that because I'll be stressed during the game. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't after, need that. <laughs> after the fact, it'd be cool. But right now, I just want to see Pittsburgh handle business. Understand that this is it. This would guarantee Mike Tallman having another winning season. This would, in my opinion, uh, finalize the, the coming together, the rallying of the troops on the offensive line, 
uh, the skill positions, all these guys, the young guys we have. You think about the the top receivers right now, if you or the top top young guys on offense, they're all rookies yeah. or one of your pros. Mm-hmm. Fryermuth, Hayward, um, Pickett, Pickens, and Harris. These guys, yeah. th- those five yeah, guys. Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren, yeah. All these guys have, have not been in the year for more than two years, any of them. And that's just mm-hmm. crazy to me. So seeing these guys rally together as a team and seeing the defensive come out and realize, hey, we haven't played Deshaun Watson. Maybe he can do a little bit more than what the last guy did. Uh, didn't we lose the Browns early in the year, too, without Deshaun Watson? Yes, yeah. without Deshaun Watson. So yes. I would love to see Probably us come out. Deshaun's probably got a worse arm right now than, than what we went against earlier in the year. And uh, now we seem to have an actual clue on how to stop the run. So, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's got a decent chance, but we'll we'll talk more about this. We, we will. have another show coming up for you guys uh, at the end of the week. We'll talk about the Steelers-Browns matchup in uh, the injuries, what's going on with that, and what we can look forward to that, and then any kind of transactions that may happen as well. Uh, don't forget Akella Witherspoon started practicing last week. So yep. if so, anyone needs to be moved to the injured reserve with like a hamstring, like a train Norwood or something, I could see Akella Witherspoon possibly popping back onto the roster. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. The next podcast episode will be posted Friday um, as we prepare for week 18 of this NFL season. The last week could be the last game for Pittsburgh. Uh, But we'll see how it goes. So thank you guys so much for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube. Again, subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. It's free. Make sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Content coming soon and YouTube. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off.